Are you allowed to say that? Never mind. Um, let me pray for us, and then uh, I'm going to read Psalm 133, and then we're just going to reflect on what it's been like for two years, because it's our two-year anniversary tonight for this, so this is pretty cool. Uh, Father in heaven, we are so incredibly grateful for the outpost, for this space, for this community, to come here and worship you in joy. So Lord, we ask you to bless us tonight, to keep us, to strengthen us, to protect those uh, in our community who aren't with us this evening, and uh, just to allow us to do everything that we do for the glory of your name. We pray this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Amen. Psalm 133. Behold, how good and pleasant it is when brothers dwell in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down on the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down on the ro- uh, sorry, running down on the collar of his robes. It is like the dew of Hermon, which falls on the mountain of Zion, for there the Lord has commanded the blessing, life forevermore. Amen. Amen. Good evening. Good evening. Good evening. It is so, so incredibly good to be here. And can you believe that it's two years? It'll actually be two years on Monday. So in the effort of being accurate and truthful, it is almost our two-year anniversary, but it's two years later, and I'm really excited about everything that we've done in this backyard over the last two years. Um, it's kind of mind-blowing. So what I thought I would do tonight was I'm going to reread what was first preached here two years ago. We started in Hebrews, for those of you who are here at the beginning. And then I just want to take you through the journey that, that is the outpost and, and now Christ Church and where we are as a community and where we're going. And this is all part of our Summer of Hope, this Christ Church Summer of Hope. And so that's going to lead us into tomorrow morning, which is Sunday school, an hour before church. I'll buy you breakfast burritos if you show up an hour before church. And we're going to talk about the post-millennial hope. We're going to talk about how we don't have loser theology, how we have really hopeful, engaging uh, theology. And the Bible says this. It's not our opinion. It's scripture. And so that's what we're going to do. And that's a part of our, our summer of hope. And then next week is really cool. We have a baptism which is really cool, and it's an infant baptism, which is really cool, and we're going to talk about on Saturday night next week the hope, the covenantal hope of families and why we baptize babies, and so I'm excited to share that with you, especially if you didn't grow up in a church community that baptized babies, and yeah, we're going to keep talking about hope this whole summer. It's going to be really, really great. We just, just came back from Idaho from a trip there to see the greater church community and celebrate graduation with the school that I teach at, and that was so hopeful and so encouraging and so joyful. It was like this, but magnified with more people and they own more businesses. It was really wonderful. So I'm going to read Hebrews 1, the first whole first chapter of Hebrews 1, and then we'll reflect on the outpost and then we're going to eat a bunch of great meat. This is the word of the Lord. Hebrews 1. Long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things through whom also he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. 
but of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed, but you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Sit at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet? Are they not all ministering spirits set out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God, Thanks be to God indeed. So that's what we read two years ago. That's how we, we kicked off the outpost. Um, and it was the very first sermon I preached in the backyard here was on Hebrews 1. And if you remember, just a few weeks ago, we talked about the ascension. We talked about the ascension of Christ, and we talked about what it means, the fact that Christ has all authority on heaven and earth, and that there's hope that comes with that because Jesus has all authority, ascending, sitting at the right hand of the Father. And when I preached that two years ago, I didn't understand that as deeply as I understand that now. That, that this hope, this, like, this, this joy and this hope, it, it comes from the fact that Jesus ascended, sits at the right hand of the Father, and that he is Lord over everything. He, he's, he's Lord over everything. This backyard, the food, the journey, the relationships here, where you work, the grocery store. There is nothing, there's no dualism. There's nothing that is outside of God's control. And it, it's this journey through the outpost and, and into Christ Church and with all of you that really uh, provided me that like that deep, deep, true understanding. The Spirit working in me through all of this. And so what I wanted to do was share the whole journey. We, we've shared it bits and pieces. Some of you have been here since the very beginning, and so you've heard it or you, or you were part of it. Some of you have come here and it's your second time, and so you haven't heard all of it. And so what I thought I would do is, because it's our anniversary, and anniversaries are important, time is important, markers of time are important. We were just talking about why birthdays are important. I think half birthdays should also be equally important. I also think that. Yeah, I agree. We should vote on this. I feel like we're a Presbyterian church. We can too much math. Not if you're a math. Not if you're a math teacher. Newborn weeks are important. Yeah. I'm willing to put in an Excel spreadsheet and make Excel do the work. Yes. Happy half birthday, or actually, it could be happy unbirthday to any of you. But. But anniversaries are important, and so I thought that this would be a nice way to celebrate our anniversary. And I hope that if there's anything that comes out of this, that it provides you hope for a journey, because where we are now is not anywhere we plan to be. Like, this, this was not part of the grand scheme of our plan. That's how I know it's God's hand that took us here. So it started in the end of 2019. It probably started way back before the foundation of the earth. But it really started and became noticeable in 2019. I was flying a bunch. I was gone. I think that was the year that I was gone for everything. I missed everything. If it was an important family-related issue or, or event, I was gone. It was sickness, injury, birthday, anniversary, Mother's Day, Father's Day, Mother's Day, Father's Day Flag Day, uh, Easter. I mean, all of the things. I, I remember where in Montana I spent Easter, actually. Christmas. Well, I usually made home. It made it home Christmas Eve, usually. 
it was 28 days before. And so that, that's, that's where this started. It was, I was on a 28 day trip, literally at the bottom of the world. And I was in spiritual turmoil. There's really no other way, way to describe that. And I called Kristen on that trip and I was like, I, I'm not supposed to be doing this. And she's like, you should come home. And then you should quit your job. And I was like, one can't just quit their job. And she's like, well, you have another job and you can. And I was like, excellent. I will go find another job doing the exact same thing somewhere else. And she's like, you might actually be the dumbest smart person I've ever met. No, hush, pray, listen to the Lord. <laughs> Took a handful of those conversations. And so 2020 rolls in and I, I had done that. I, I left my job, which I ended up not actually being able to quit. I stayed as a contractor for another five months, but I did quit, quit. Um, and I started praying, like, where, where, where can God use me? Like, where am I at? What am I supposed to be doing? And um, it led me to apply for a job with Denver Rescue Mission. Uh, we had been supporting Denver Rescue Mission for a long time, and I like what Denver Rescue Mission does. And so I thought, I'm educated to do this. That's a place I feel passionate about, and a community that I feel passionate about. I'll apply. So I applied. I think I got a cursory email, and then COVID happened. And so COVID stand happens, and now all of a sudden, I'm not flying at all because we couldn't fly because you couldn't sit within a certain number of inches or something from people, and you could only touch things in certain ways, but you were only safe to breathe standing up in the restaurant. No, sitting down in the restaurants, but not standing up. It was very confusing. The rules changed all the time. <laughs> so COVID happened, and we were home. It was the first time in my life I'd ever actually just been able to be home and be present and like really experience. And it was incredible. It was like life changing. And so it was this time of prayer and reflection and I was wrapping up school. And I ended up reaching out to the church around the corner here because I knew the pastor and I was a seminary guy. And I said, hey, if you need any help, like volunteer or whatever, I'm hanging out at home because COVID stand. Let me know. And he said, actually, we don't need volunteer help. We need a pastor. I said, oh, that's unique. I never thought I was going to go into vocational ministry. So we prayed. And that scene, and all signs kept pointing to that direction for, for my life and for, for our family. And so I ended up taking a job. And I took a job at, at a church that was a really bad fit. And I was warned that it would be a little bit of a bad fit. But you didn't really know. And I didn't really know that there were... I just really didn't know there were like divisions in the church world that way. I didn't grow up in the church. I mean, people are sinful. None of this should have been a big surprise to me. I didn't know there weren't pa there were pastors that didn't like really believe in God. That was a surprise to me or the authority of the Bible. I thought these things kind of came with like, if you are a pastor, you believe that God exists and the Bible is true. I felt like that was like, the, but it wasn't uh, for, for some people. And so pastor of this church, I, I was really fortunate. We had a really wonderful community for, for people that we got to care for. Um, but it, bless you, but it, was not, it wasn't the right fit. And we knew it wasn't the right fit because I'd, I'd been sitting on this ordination committee and they said, well, we, there's, there's like 13 people. And it was on Zoom because God's people who aren't worried about dying had to do it on Zoom. That, that's neither here nor there. So it was on Zoom and there's 13 people and one of them said, well, we have, this, we have a problem with your statement of faith. It's like, oh. Okay, and they're like, well, you said... That the Bible is the word of God. And I was like, yes. Yeah, probably. And they said, yeah, we don't, that's a problem. And so that was where we started to realize that maybe this wasn't 
going to be the right button. And there were hopes, I, I truthfully, like there were hopes that we could maybe help reform and help this. It's a beautiful building and it's in a, a, a really good community and it's walking distance from the house. Like if God opened that door for us. And so it was a really excellent education in a lot of things. And one of them was standing firm. And, and that really happened for us um, because we had started like experiencing what was going on in the church I was working at and trying to figure out how we would respond and how we would stand firm and how pastoral staff responded to me differently than congregants did. Congregants were really positive. Pastoral staff was slightly concerned. Maybe it was, I think, the words too Christian at some point. But and I'm talking to my friend, a friend of mine, another church planner who's in Illinois, and we start talking about this idea of outposts. Like, we need... We need outposts of the church, right? An outpost is a, I wrote, I wrote the definition down, a small military camp or position at some distance from the main force used especially as a guard against a surprise attack. And Alex and I were like, we need some outposts. Like we need, we need, you know, outposts of the church. And so I started chewing on this with, with him and talking about that. And then for my birthday, and it's in the garage, it's hanging in the garage on the, the wall over there, when my study was still like this really unique color of green, we put the, Kristen bought me this huge uh, canvas picture that said Outpost, and it was kind of our church slogan for what we thought at that time, the Outpost Church. And she said, I want you to hang this up because, you know, you need to keep thinking about where God is taking you and to stand firm. And so then we end up in South Dakota during COVID. You guys might not remember, but people told you that you had to wear a face diaper that many people said didn't work, and they were called liars. And then three years later, people came back and said a lot of them didn't work. It's unrelated to anything I'm saying now. Our greater Christian community wanted to gather and wanted to give people the free choice should they want to wear a face diaper or not. And so there were not many places in the United States that allowed anyone to make that choice. But South Dakota did. And so there was this conference called Fight, Laugh, Feast in South Dakota. And I thought that would be really cool to go. And I didn't think anybody else in my family in their right mind would want to go to a church conference. So I said to Kristen, I said, I think I want to go to this thing in South Dakota. And she said, well, we're coming with you. And I was like, it's like three days of pastors talking. <laughs> and a psalm singing, beer, and a bunch of other stuff. And she said, I think it'd be great. And it was incredible. It was Unlike any, like, for any of you guys that have been to conferences, conferences can kind of stink, right? Like, there's vendors, there's a handful of speakers, and it's all, especially if it's like a religious conference, you could think, like, how much fun could that actually be? It was the outpost. It was 2,000 of us. It's great. We sang psalms, we drank beer, we, we, we ate food, we talked about the Lord. And at one point during that conference, this woman goes up to ask a question. And she's, she says, hi, I'm a teacher in Colorado. And Kristen's like, I'm going to find her after this. So she asked a question about some things about standing firm at the school that she taught at. And um, we went and tracked them down. Well, actually, Kristen tracked them down. I went to the restroom with the kids. We couldn't find mom. And I said, I bet mom went to find those people. And they became friends of ours. They've since moved out of Colorado, unfortunately. And they connected us with the church that is our sponsoring church here. So we end up, he says, I want you to come over to this pastor's house. It's a really nice guy. They have two dinners a month called parish dinners. I was like, we can just show up. He's like, just show up, walk in the door. It's no big deal. Never to say no to good free food. We, uh, we showed up, and it was great. And we met 
in our friend, uh, friend Brian's backyard, a lot like this. And um, we did, he did what we're doing here now, a bunch of barbecue, like chicken out on the grill. And they chatted and they sang some songs and everyone just hung out and it was great. And so I sat on the floor with Brian for like an hour, cross-legged, drinking whiskey and chatting about this whole journey. And he's like, you need to plant a church. And I said, excellent. I said, I don't really know how to do that. <laughs> he said, well, we don't have a church planting arm. He said, but if you build it and come back, that'd be great. And I said, how does one do that? And he said, I don't really know. <laughs> so <laughs> I ended up quitting the church I worked at. And we said, okay. Yeah, so a couple, couple weeks, we're, we're, we're literally walking through Costco. This this happened, so if, if the outpost started June 12th, we were probably, what did you say? It's always Costco. It's always Costco. We were probably, the, the outpost probably became an idea, like a formal idea June 1st. No, it couldn't even have been that, that much earlier. It was probably like June 5th. It was probably a week, a week. Was it in May? Was it that far in advance? Okay, yeah, a couple, we had a couple weeks planning. And we're like, okay, we can do this. We like people. We have a backyard. We can cook meat. And I had the men's ministry, so I'll send the email out to everybody on the lion's den, and um, we'll just see who shows up. And like 50 people showed up. Were you here for your your folks? Your folks were here for the first one. Yikes. Were you here first one? Me? Yeah. Yeah, you're an OG for everything. Yeah, you're... You, Jared's, Jared's been at the beginning at all the things in the men's ministry years ago. Yeah, years and years ago. And at the wedding. Like, Jared's been, been through it all. And so um, we started kicking it off, and we didn't really know what, other than we, we wanted to worship God, teach the Bible, bring people together. We'll do it on Saturday nights until we figure out how the body kind of forms. And so at the same time, a buddy of mine in the Anglican church is like, well, you know, you can't have a church plant unless you have 50 people and $50,000. I've since asked where an axe, it says that. <laughs> and the disciples doth, did not plant any new churches unless they had 50 disciples, not 49, and no less than 50,000 gold talents. No. So um, they offered us an opportunity as a church planting apprentice to go help an, an Anglican church plant. And it was really helpful. And it was wonderful. It, was a, it wasn't the right fit, but it was a good experience. And we learned a lot through that, things that, that we really loved and things that we didn't think were really fitting for our community. And so as we were in that church planting network, because the original idea was we were going to plant through the Anglican church. And we realized that was doesn't, it didn't fit with the inner, I've always been a Presbyterian. I just, I didn't always know it. That's, yeah. Yeah. And so, that's right. And so um, I chatted with them and we decided that, it would be good if, if we continued on the journey um, that we were continuing on and kind of separate our paths there. And so um, we did. And, and then we came to you guys, for those of you who are here, and we said, what do we do? And everyone said, we'd like to worship on Sunday mornings. And I said, great. Now we find a building. How does one find a building? So I wrote an email to the Lutheran church on the corner that's been empty forever, and I left it in draft accidentally. Because they never wrote me back, because I never hit send. <laughs> Two things 100% correlated. Um, and at the same time, Kristen had said, well, we should call Table Public. And we had done some stuff with the Anglican Church there, and I'd spent a lot of time um, and really appreciated the ministry that other Craig there has. 
And I said, there's absolutely no way the table public is going to have space on Sunday mornings. Like, there's got to be another church that rents their space out. And so I called Craig. He's like, oh, yeah, we, we can't get anyone to rent Sunday mornings because we don't have a nursery. And I said, well, we don't want a nursery. <laughs> he said, wonderful. And we signed a one-year contract that week. Um, that's a God thing. There's, um, and they have been so incredibly gracious to us. Um, what the, the, the ministry work that they do for the greater community, the food work that they do, the gardens, um, the addiction recovery, like it's, it's layers of goodness that's coming out of that place. Um, and so we're really, really grateful to be there. And, and then, of course, that's led us into the journey where we are now, which is this rhythm. And Kristen and I talked, and, and we talked to the elders about, like, okay, now that we're a Sunday worshiping body, like, do we stop this? And at first we said, yeah. I'm like, yeah, you know, just want to drive people to get, we want to get people to, to be in, in the body worshiping God, which we're doing here as well. And so we thought about that. We're like, okay, maybe we'll go, we'll cut it back. Like, because everyone you talk to tells you you can't do both. It's too much work. It's going to be too much. You can't have people at your house. I'm going to spoil it. It's in the sermon tomorrow. It's a little cliffhanger. In two years, we've done 99 of these. It's our 99th. Next week's our 100th. It's, I think we should. Yeah, we might as well have another big party. All in favor? Aye. <laughs> the ayes have it. <laughs> and there's a party next weekend, too. And, and so then we realized, no, this is part of our worship rhythm. This is part of how we come with joy to the Lord. This is how we do all of Christ for all of life, is that we, we have to do all of Christ for all of life. And I, I noticed something at, at Doug's church called Christ Church in Idaho. <laughs> we walked in. It's great. This old guy comes up and goes, you know we're a cult, right? And I said, do you guys have good snacks? Um, snacks were good, by the way. Uh, yeah, Kool-Aid was way better. Do you get those white sneakers? Everyone's got their sneakers, right? <laughs> um, a kid. kid. What I noticed when we were at church at Doug's on Sunday was, one, there was nothing fancy because it was in the high school gym, which is great. And there was, I mean, nothing programmatic about it. Their liturgy is a little different than ours, um, and that's okay. It's good. That's one of the things I love about the church on our network is the liturgies can all look a little bit differently. But they didn't, like, have a bunch of activities that morning for people to be plugged in that morning. So you, like, show up, you get your Sunday, you get your little bit of plugged in, and then, whoo, the rest, excuse me, the rest of the six days are yours. They do life like we do life, where it's continuous involvement. That's why we're starting the volleyball nights starting on Wednesday out of the park. We're calling it P-Cubed. Picnic, play, and pray. You're going to bring a picnic. We're going to have disc golf and volleyball. Kristen's got a, an awesome idea about like some rough-and-tumble inter-church volleyball competitions, so I'm sending it out to the pastors in the like 10-mile radius. And then we're going to pray for our community, as a, hopefully as a group of churches, right, locally, that are going to come pray for our community here locally together and be in fellowship with each other. But that's doing all of Christ for all of life. It's not like you got, like, the six programs you can maybe come to on the Sunday, and then the, the body is doing the body things together, and that's what we're doing here. And so that's when we realize that our rhythm is we come together and feast, we join together to worship, and then we go our ways to go rest. And we're going to talk about more about the rest tomorrow as we, we read Matthew chapter 12, part of the beginning of Matthew chapter 12. And so this place has been such a transformative um, experience in my family's life. Like, really, my kids, 
I, I'm going to be really interested to hear what all of this was like in like 20 years. And, and um, for their friends and for the people that come and go, uh, it's, it's taught me about what the body of Christ looks like as a body. It's taught me about standing firm. It's taught me how to live the Christian life. I get to see the impact of Christ's ascension right here. I get to see what it means when people live a life acknowledging that Christ is Lord. Right? That knowing that your enemies can't do anything to you. It's God that's for you who is against you. And so it's been this really incredible two years. It's been really amazing. Um, it overflows my cup in a way that I, 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 for a man who runs his mouth a lot, it's hard for me to articulate how much I love every one of you. And you, I'm really grateful for you guys being here. Like, we really love you and we're really glad you're here. It's, it's so wonderful to have everybody. It was weird not seeing you all last weekend. It was good. We were outposting it with other people and we had a really good time with them, but we missed our outpost people too. And so um, I hope this is a place of encouragement. I hope it's a place where you can get to, to taste and see that the Lord is good and experience the beauty that the Christian life has to bring. And I just want to thank you for all of you for being part of this community. Um, we really love you guys. And so we should go inside and sing. And then I have been marinating the flank steak in glory for the last couple hours. And so I want to go eat that. So let's, let's go sing. <laughs>